Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Dream Horse tells the inspiring story of Dream Alliance, an unlikely horse bred by a small-town Welsh bartender, Jan Vokes, played by Tony Collette. With very little money and no experience, Jan convinces her neighbors to chip in their meager earnings to raise enough money to make the dream come true. The, the group's investment pays off when Dream rises through the ranks with grit and determination and goes all the way important national races in Britain. Again, the film is called Dream Horse, and we're joined today by the director, Eros Lynn. Eros, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Tell me a little bit about what brought you to this project. Well, because it's based on a true story. And um, and when Dream ran his famous race and became, became the horse that was raised on a backyard, but beat all these incredible champions, it, it kind of broke all over the news in the UK and, and it made the headlines. And, you know, it was what everybody was talking about in the pubs and it was on everybody's lips because... It has a, a mythical quality to it. It's a classic underdog story of, of, of somebody from the wrong side of the tracks triumphing against adversity and, and doing amazingly. So it, it felt it was something that I knew about. Everybody knew about because we were talking about it. And then uh, Catherine Butler, the producer, had been working with Neil Mackay on a on trying to develop the script about the idea. And and um, and then she got in touch with me and asked if I was interested. And it, it was one of those things that I, I instantly leapt on because it's about Wales, which is where I'm from. It's about my community, where I grew up, my my people, my world. And, and along with this basic universal story that can appeal to everybody anywhere across the world, it, it felt like it had the makings of a, of a great movie that I really wanted to be part of. I believe I have to correct my introduction. I said Britain. It it actually happened in Wales, and I so I apologize for for no, the misstatement. Well, yeah, yeah. You're 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 right because Wales is part of Britain, so it's kind of you know. But both things are true, so you're, you're not wrong there. Stories about horses and this kind of story, Secretariat, uh, um, Sea Biscuit. These films, I was as I'm watching it, it reminded me that how, they, how well they lend themselves to a story. They're kind of like baseball stories. You don't really have to be a baseball fan to enjoy a, a good baseball film. Same with horse racing. You really don't have to know a whole lot. The basics are pretty basic. And, it, and it's really a matter of picking and choosing the storylines you want to pursue with these. Uh, in this story, it picks the right storylines. And also the other element that I find that is intriguing and entertaining about um, horse racing films is you have all these elements the race the track the, the sort of the milieu of the track and then you have sound which i'm sort of obsessed with lately and i have been to a few races horse races over the over my lifetime and there is nothing quite like being at that clubhouse turn and hearing the horses coming towards you that it is something that you really have to experience so all of those elements come together in this film but so is that a fair assessment of, of why they're, why we find horse racing so appealing as a story? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know the, great, the great sporting movies are about the underdog or the outsider who has no way of succeeding in the world and yet 
their grit and their determination and their inspiration allows them to overcome that adversity and triumph and you know and, and Seabiscuit and Secretariat definitely tick those boxes so there's a universality to sports movie that that, that appeals to appeals to everyone across the ages but but you're right there is something about horse racing that as, as somebody who's been been to horse races and stood on the track picked a horse put five pounds down on it and suddenly feels so emotionally involved in the race this horse you know it has to win because because i've invested i mean in this case i've invested money in it but but in our movie we invest our our love and our hope in in the horse and suddenly you know that the horse becomes a proxy for all sorts of things um all sorts of hopes in in our film all, all sorts of emotions so so that involvement and wanting the horse to win is a, is a very basic human animalistic almost yearning and, and i guess is what makes the genre so compelling and then you're right the sound design you know when we shot the horse races in this film we shot them mute because there were vehicle there were tracking vehicles there were you know there were people with megaphones and loud hailers issuing instructions there were you know there's all sorts of of extraneous noise so every single horse breath hoof piece of uh, bridle jangling um, in this film has been laid with care and love by our, our sound team and, and then mixed brilliantly, which is which is a very difficult thing to do because, you know, there are so many elements, the horse, the horse himself, our hero horse, who we want, who I wanted the audience to feel like they were racing with him, the horses around him, the rival horse that he's competing against, the pack horses and then the audience the cheering in, in in the grandstand uh the commentator's voice kind of describing what's going on and then there's the score and um you know and navigating uh your way through all those different elements takes a huge amount of skill and doing it so that we as an audience emotionally navigate the story correctly and that we tell the story that we want the audience to understand you know that that's a that's a real craft and and i was very lucky to be working with with great sound recorders mixers track layers um to to make that thing come alive in this film yeah and that's so vitally important in telling th that the day of the race the and then the race itself it is it is the soundtrack to a horse race in a way that is just powerful. It's just viscerally a, a powerful experience. And I would add one other element in terms of why I think we connect with horse racing or any horse movie really. It goes back to the very origin story of, of cinema. You know, my friend Flick, uh, you can go as far back as you want. Horses have always been a, sort of a, a mainstay of, of cinema. And I think it's really kind of primordial. Our connections to horses the ethos of horses, the, our connection as human beings, civilization, all of the things that we, we can associate with our, with our partnership with horses is really comes into play when you watch them. And to see them as Tony Collette is inter, interacting with Dream Horse, you can feel it. I don't know. There's something more than just, a, a, just another character in a film. It's pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, well, you know, ho horses have souls. I've no doubt of that. And and Jan's relationship in real life, Jan's relationship with Dream was a very close bond and that she felt very intensely. And I wanted um, to represent that on screen. And luckily, Tony's relationship with Bo, who played the acting Dream, uh, the Dream that she was in the stables with, 
I don't know how it fell into place, but there was certainly a synchronicity between them. And, you know, they had no time to spend together before we, we started shooting because you know, film schedules are, are crazy. So she was in the stable with this horse that she barely knew. And yet there's a connection that one feels. Um, and it's her quietness as an actor, her, her the, you know, her, her spirituality or her soul um, and, the, and the horse too, his soul. And the, and the connection between them, you, you feel it on screen, uh, which is which is just as well. Well, it does come across. And, and I thank you for bringing up Tony Collette because I want to talk about her because I just, I love her. And I think everything I've ever seen her in, I feel this kind of connection to her. And, and I, I go to, you know, there's so many, but Little Miss Sunshine was one of those movies where I don't know that she was as well known with the general population of moviegoers as she was after that film. I think that sort of for her, well, we can go way back to Muriel's wedding. We could, she goes as far back and she was amazing in that. She continues to be just a remarkable presence in this, in, in cinema, but in this film. When you think of her, you think of her sort of characteristics uh, in her performances. Is there something that comes across in a few things that come across in terms of how you see her as an actor? I know that's I mean, a pretty broad. That's a pretty script, broad question. She was, yeah, but it's a good, it's a good question. I mean, when I when I first read the script, she was the person I saw playing Jan. She was the person who I thought could deliver on the the humor of the character and, and, and the tone of this film. She can play, um, she can play gritty working class women whilst being this incredibly glamorous and charismatic Hollywood movie star. She, you know, there, and, and there are very few Hollywood actors who can play real people in the way that she does. But her range is extraordinary. Like you say, you know, from Muriel's Wedding to Little Miss Sunshine, Sixth Sense or Hereditary, or I'm thinking of ending things, you know, that the, the, her range is absolutely astonishing. So to have an actor of that caliber in this movie was, was my dream come true. And getting to those actors is very difficult because they're inundated with scripts. They have great projects. They, you know, she, she was working with Charlie Kaufman. She was working with Guillermo del Toro. Um, you know, how was I going to persuade her to come to Wales to come and, and make this kind of small yet beautifully crafted film? And um, and I was very lucky that a writer that I've been working with, Jack Thorne, had worked with her on a project, and and he put in a good word. He said, "There's this script on the way. You should read it." She did, and and she fell in love with it. You know, she fell in love with the character Jan, um, and understood what the, the fundament of what it's like. To, to be a character, be a person like Jan, who has very little um, in terms of wealth. She's very little in terms of life chances. She works in a supermarket behind a bar. She has to hold down two jobs to, to make ends meet, and yet has this inspiring idea that everybody poo-poos and tells her there's no chance at all of this becoming true, and yet has the grit and the determination to make her dream come true. And, and, and she really spoke to Tony, which is, which is why she came on board. Yeah, and, and another thing about her backstory is she had known some measure of success in, in relation to animals and, and kind of her, her empathy, her, her connection to, to animals. So I think it makes sense, the continuum of why she was so determined to go where she did and her, yeah, and all the things you said about her. Before we go any further, I want to remind our audience that we're speaking with Euros Lynn. He is the director of this wonderful new film called Dream Horse, and it opens, jokingly, it opens in every theater in America. It's in a lot of theaters uh, around the country, and I'm going to give 
everybody a website where they can go to. Bleecker Street Media is the, the distribution company. And if you go to bleakerstreetmedia.com or you can go to filmschoolradio.com and it, where it's listed there, but bleakerstreetmedia.com, Dream Horse. And there are a ton of theaters. And by the way, I believe this is a brick and mortar release. It's not a virtual release. It's actually in theaters. And we here in America are celebrating the fact that we can apparently go out and safely and go to see a film and have a cup of coffee with our friends now. So this is a little off topic, but how are things where, where you are for, uh, for being uh, interactive and social? Yeah, well, uh, movie theaters are opening tomorrow here in the UK. So okay. we'll, we'll soon be able to do the same. And DreamHost releases in the States on the 21st of May, but we release here in the UK on the 4th of June, uh, a little while after you. So, so hopefully it'll be, um, it's definitely the kind of upbeat, optimistic, fun, inspiring film that I think our community that suffered so greatly with uh, in this pandemic, it'll, it, it's a film that will resonate with them and, and speak in a way that I couldn't have imagined making it about how when a community comes together to triumph over adversity, amazing things can happen. One of the reviews that I really like about the film was it's a good story about good people doing good things. And I think that's a pretty good summary of it. And in some ways, the journey upon which this film has taken, having to wait and sort of to go through what we've all gone through, the adversity of for filmmakers and for people who want to see a film in a theater or just are want to have a life. This film, in some, some way, some sort of spiritual way, mirrors our community's journey towards something more normal. And a great story with a with a with a very positive vibe to it. There's other people in the cast. I do want to mention Damian Lewis because we here in America know him from Band of Brothers. We know him from Billionaires. We know him from a lot of kind of serious and sometimes his characters required to be a little cold hearted. And uh, what what's uh, Homeland? He was in Homeland. So we know him in a very most people know him in a very different context. It's wonderful to see him in this film because it's another dimension to him as an actor a little bit about Damien yeah and one of Damien's amazing skills is that he can play these absolute heels of characters characters with who are basically morally bankrupt and still you care for him still he makes you root for him so so, you know, Howard is the closest thing this film has to a, a morally ambiguous character. Um, he's, his, his marriage, you know, he's, he's, is, he, is, he, is he being utterly truthful to his wife about his involvement with this horse racing syndicate? I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's a grey area there. And so to have a character, uh, to have an actor like Damien, who's so adept at navigating those moralities whilst having the charisma to draw you in and earn your empathy as an audience member was was a was a great attribute uh, you know incredibly useful to the film and he's such a, a lovely man and a great person to you know lead the cast with with Tony um, along with Owen Teal who plays Brian who who did a magnificent job as as uh, as this big strong man suffering the indignity of of losing his purpose in life. So I think as, as a trio at the heart of the film, they've, they've all done amazingly well. But this is just an unfettered story about what it is that we're there to see. And, <clears throat> and I really appreciate that. I, this is, I like the fact that that's the way you told the story. I don't have any other great yeah, insights, I, but I... 
Yes, thank you very much. And, and I think, you know, because it's an ensemble piece, you know, yeah. every every actor in every role is is important and contributes to the film. And they've all drawn their characters with such sharp definitions so that we always know who exactly they are and um, and enjoy their place in in this ensemble of a performance. Well, when when you see the movie Dream Horse, for me, the 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 scene that sort of sets everything up is the first night around the pool table where they're they're trying to put the syndicate together. It's a great scene because exactly what you said, everybody's there and everybody very quickly, and it's a tribute to the actors and tribute tribute to the writing. Everyone you know, moving forward, this is basically the lane they're going to be in. And God bless you, because that's 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 a great part of it. So Thank you so much for the film, and thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here on Film School Radio. Again, the film is called Dream Horse, and we've been talking with the director, Euros Lin. I I look forward to another conversation with you about whatever works going out. So thank you so much for being here. Take care. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.